he wanted to cheer her up after her lover, Tomaso, left. In January, the Royal Hawaiian Hotel was exclusively leased to the United States Navy as a rest and recreation and transient center for those serving in the Pacific Fleet. Sue Lee was waiting for her transportation orders to continue on to Melbourne, Australia, to the HYPO listening station. Codebreakers throughout the Pacific were scrambling to anticipate Admiral Yamamoto's next moves. She became involved with Army intelligence shortly after graduating from Stanford University. It seems that the War Department realized they were lacking in personnel fluent in the Japanese language. In the event of war with Japan, they needed to train translators and field interrogators. This entailed the starting of a school for the teaching of the Japanese language. She was also told that at any time a war was declared, she could be conscripted into the army. Shortly after the attack on Pearl Harbor, that became a reality. Her skills and fluency in languages pushed her deeper into intelligence work, and now she was a leading codebreaker, gathering and interpreting enemy information. Chapter 2 The little Chinese man who sat across from her looked like he was a hundred years old. He was impeccably dressed in a fashionable white tropical tailored suit, and his mannerisms, along with his speech, were that of an English gentleman. It seemed appropriate that she had asked him to join her for high tea on the hotel terrace. It was pleasant, overlooking the sea. The only thing that spoiled the view were the barricades of barbed wire and sandbags on the beach. After the waiter left, she poured the tea for both of them and then continued the conversation. "'Thank you for your condolences, Mr. Han. But how did you know my Uncle Yoshi?' Sue Lee said, sipping her tea." We're partners. Together we own the Hotel Bing, one of the best brothels in Honolulu. Now it is half yours. Welcome aboard, Madam Sue Lee, he said, raising his cup. Sue Lee almost choked on her tea. I say, are you all right? Waiter, more water. Quickly, please. Mr. Han started to rise from his chair. No, I'm okay. Please sit. You must be Jimmy. Yoshi spoke of you often. You were in Singapore during our last visit. I only know about the hotel. I even asked Yoshi back then why we were not staying there. He said it was full. Apparently, he left out a few details, Su Lee said, wiping tears from her eyes. Oh, I'm sorry. My levity was not meant to be disrespectful. The hotel is half yours, not the brothel. I thought you knew. Please forgive me. Suli waited until the waiter left after placing a new cup in front of her. Let's start from the beginning. When did this business for using the hotel as a brothel start with you and Yoshi? Well, a bit of luck on our part. We sort of fell into it. Prostitution has been loosely regulated here on the islands for quite some time. But in 1930, it was pushed into Chinatown. Yoshi and I bought the hotel in 1929. And then the economy slowed. You might say, regulatory prostitution laws in Chinatown saved us. However, they are now regulated by the military under the martial law. 
but business has increased with all the servicemen passing through. Our full-time resident, Mademoiselle Fifi, requires the ladies to receive 100 men a day, and they're required to work 20 days in a month. Mr. Han told her with such pride. Suli couldn't stop herself from smiling. It sounds like a very lucrative profession, she said, trying to hide her smile. Quite so. Some of the gals clear well over 40000 a year. As a group, they collectively purchased over $100,000 in war bonds, he said with more pride. She could see why Uncle Yoshi liked this man. He loved his work. I'm curious, how did the hotel and so much of Oahu survive without damage? Suli asked. The only explanation offered by the Navy was that the Japanese could not waste any ammunition on sideline and civilian areas.